Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. so excited to have you here you have one of my favorite newsletters on the internet <laughs> every single friday it's like the favorite part of my day is like to catch up on in case you missed it and there's so many things i clearly miss every week so it's it's amazing to have you here as an authority on the marketing space and the influencer space i'm super excited to welcome you to kindly gift it i appreciate it thank you and i love your podcast i love uh, I love the content you're putting out too. I think that that's, um, you know, we connected and then I kept watching your stories and I'm just, I'm fascinated. I love like the educational component of things. So watching you explain how things work, I find equally fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super interested to know how you got into the influencer space and what is it about influencer marketing that got you so captivated. And I, you're also teaching at UCLA yes. influencer marketing as well. Yeah. So I worked in entertainment like way back before influencers were influencers, um, working with celebrities. I was on the editorial side, interviewing people. We used to run Twitter polls like way back in the beginning of Twitter. And we'd be like, I was working at E, like E Entertainment Television. I was like, who do you guys want to see on the website today? Um, and Channing Tatum was the person that would like always activate his fandom to get people to vote and say Channing Tatum photos. And at that time, we'd like, we'd then go to the photo agency, we'd buy photos of Channing Tatum, and we'd put them up on the site. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating how he's leveraging his audience. Um, and then as digital creators started to come out, I was like, oh, I think this is the way that it's going. Like the the power kind of transferred from celebrities to creators I still love entertainment, um, but I just find it fascinating how that power shifted to these people who essentially like became self-anointed celebrities versus like the traditional model. Um, and so, yeah, so I started working in, in the influencer space, kind of like a, um, a mix of celebrity and influencer and then just influencer booking campaigns, um, hiring influencers. Then UCLA hired me essentially because of this was in 2018, which at the time there wasn't a ton of people working in the influencer space or the creator space. So they hired me to teach a course. Um, and then it just kind of evolved from there. Now I do more work with influencers. So I kind of went from hiring influencers or working with them to working for them or consulting or um, advising them essentially. Oh, interesting. What kind of work do you do with the creator that's maybe different than the work that you've done for brands? So I think it's kind of, it's going from shifting mindset of who's the right creator for this campaign or, you know, who are we going to hire to do this to working with the influencers, um, thinking I was working with a creator for two years, 
creator turned entrepreneur. She had an app. So I was running marketing efforts for her business. Um, and then it's thinking, helping them think through opportunities and thinking like, is this good for you? So we're looking at it more from like a personal brand perspective of like, is this going to help you grow? Um, what do you need to grow? Every creator or influencer. And I kind of use the terms interchangeably, unless we're talking about like a UGC creator that's like just being hired for content creation. Um, But it's like Mm -hmm. everybody at different stages. I mean, I've been teaching this class at UCLA now for, I think it's been almost five years. And you've got people who are like at the 10,000 level, at the 40,000 level. I've worked with people with like over 1 million followers. And yeah, all of it is like around them being, building their personal brands. But like the needs of somebody at 10,000 followers versus like 100,000 versus a million um, tend to be very different. So it's hard Mm. to say, like, there's not just one particular thing, but it's basically helping people grow and helping them monetize their influence. Would you say that influencers are, are taking over the celebrity space or even really the entrepreneurship space in a new way that we haven't really seen before? Yes. Um, I think they've already taken over the celebrity space a hundred percent. And I find that shift has been really interesting and kind of happened over the last decade. I would say for the last hmm, five years, and I think the next five years, we're going to see the same pattern of like creators or influencers taking over the entrepreneur space. So it's either going to be influencers turning into entrepreneurs um, and building businesses, traditional businesses, not just like the content creation and the merch type stuff, but, you know, launching apps, launching companies. Um, Or we're going to see people who are entrepreneurs become influencers by virtue of like, I think that now as an entrepreneur is what you have to do. Um, it's great. You know, you have a company, you can have like a CMO and not to take away from that. Cause I've done that too, but it's like, you're not, it's much harder to try and promote the brand if you don't have a figurehead. Um, so I think, you know, turning your founder, turning your entrepreneur into an influencer or thought leader of sorts, uh, is really the way forward. And we're seeing so many people, I think about like Sarah Blakely, uh, the, the head of Spanx, or, you know, somebody like that who like never set out to be an influencer, but like clearly she is now like she's a she's a founder, she's a investor, but she's also an influencer and she shows up on social media and she has a large following and like she's able to impact the decisions and, and thoughts and perspectives people have. So I think that whether they start as an entrepreneur and become an influencer or they're an influencer that turns into an entrepreneur, I think that's what we're seeing at least for the next you know, five to 10 years. Yeah. I was talking with, um, the team from midday squares, which is the chocolate company that's being built on the internet. It's so interesting. And they were saying how their strategy from the get go, they are not, you know, influencers in any capacity whatsoever, but it was really important to them to not only build the brand of their company, but also their own personal brands at the same time as they're building the brand of their company. And they were saying how they have found personally that that has not only increased customer acquisition, but also helped with retention because people are coming back, not just for their product, but also because they resonate with the founders or they are enjoying this kind of content journey that they're going on. Um, and I don't think it's just for consumers either. Like I've worked with a couple of different female founders that like had a really hard time with the idea of like, I don't want to be an influencer. I don't want to post online. 
Um, but like, I, I guess like maybe call me like a hype woman. I'm like, no, you have to, and you have to tell your story and you have to bring people on your journey and like all of this stuff. But like, it also helps with like investors or other, you know, potential business partners. The best story was somebody who, um, I haven't asked her, so I'm not going to mention her name, but like, essentially she's kind of like a founder slash influencer, started posting online, got noticed by somebody invited to like an incubator program all because she started mm-hmm. posting on Twitter and LinkedIn. And I was like, yes, this was like, that was the best case scenario of why I'm telling founders, like, don't just think about it. You're not just promoting yourself. You're not just trying to connect with the consumer, but you're also creating opportunities for yourself, you know, with other, it's like B2B marketing, essentially. Right. How do you recommend to founders specifically to figure out which platforms best to show up on? Because for influencers, you know, there's, it's, Instagram is kind of a first thought and TikTok is great and YouTube, but founders may have a different approach to social media. Like you mentioned with maybe LinkedIn or Twitter, how do they maybe determine which platforms are the best options for them? Um, I think it's two different things. I think one, it's like, it's the same thing as any influencer. It's like thinking about where your audience is. And so depending on what kind of business you're launching, um, it might be Instagram, but probably it's going to be LinkedIn. Probably it's going to be Twitter. That's where I think more of the, the business world and the, you know, media, uh, show up. And so if that's who you're trying to reach, if you're trying to either find like business partners, investors, um, media coverage, I think LinkedIn and Twitter are probably the best places to find people. But then I think it also depends on like, what content do you love creating? And how do you love communicating? And if you're super visual, and you love video, or you love, you know, imagery and design, then like, you're gonna be more comfortable on Instagram and TikTok. So I think it's like, you can never discount. Yes, you need to be speaking to your audience and find where they are and show up there. But I don't think you can discount people's preferences. And if you hate LinkedIn and you hate, you know, writing for LinkedIn and it's just not your vibe, it's like, if it's a struggle, it's going to be a struggle to post and you're going to dread posting on those platforms. It's like the advice that we give any kind of creator. It's like, find what you love to do, because if you're doing something that doesn't feel natural or that is like a chore or a struggle, like there's just no way that you're going to be able to do it consistently. Um, so I think the, you know, first and foremost, find your audience, where are they? And then second is think about like, how do you want to show up and how can you show up in a way that's sustainable over the next few years? Mm -hmm. That's definitely a good point. And speaking also of sustainability in terms of creators, you mentioned you advise also creators on some of those power moves that they could be making or influencers, you know, um, what is something that that super important for them to consider in terms of if they want to build a business or create a brand or found a product that maybe they haven't considered. Also, because I think being part of the creator economy as a founder is really hot now. We know how creators love to chase trends. And so (laughs) what is something maybe that's really important for them to consider before just jumping in and creating a business, but rather really thinking about, is this something that aligns with what I'm trying to do or my audience maybe can expect from me? Um, oh gosh, I have so many different things. Uh, I guess I would say first and foremost, have a North star, like kind of have an idea. I mean, you don't have to think like, okay, I want to be Martha Stewart and I want to have like product media company X, Y, Z, but like kind of have an idea of the direction that you're going in. And then it really depends Mm -hmm. on what level you're at. So like, if you're just starting out, it's like, start figuring out your niche 
and kind of like, what are you going to post? What's your like sustainable content business? Then as like you get to the next level, it's like, okay, you've figured out what you love, what the audience loves. Now start thinking about like creator market fit. Like, how are you going to make money? So I would say, you know, if you're a micro influencer from like that 10,000 to 100 or 200,000, you're thinking about like, I love this content. My audience loves this content. And there is going to be a sponsor potentially interested in this content or some other way to like monetize this. That's when you also start creating like your media kit, um, your rate sheet. You start professionalizing kind of what you're doing. I think above that, like when you get to those next stages, that's when you start having to like bring in outside people and not just like a manager or an agent, but like that's when you start partnering with like maybe other creators to do things. That's when you start looking for opportunities to like, how can I get more visibility? Because I think it's like you get to a a certain stage. I think you get to like, I've seen it over and over with creators. It's like 100,000, maybe 250,000. You kind of like stall out of what you're able to do on your own. So at that point, it's like, are there other creators who could help you grow? Are there other businesses that you could partner with that could help you grow? You know, you might need a manager or an agent. That might be the stage where you start thinking about it and kind of like reaching out and and seeing what's involved and whether that's like a good decision for you. Um, The people that I see that tend to grow over 250,000 followers to get up into the millions are like, I would say there's kind of one of two things, one of two components. Either one is that they're doing something outside of just social media. They're uh, maybe like a judge at an awards show. They're writing a best-selling book. So they're like on the New York Times best-selling author list. Um, There's some other kind of like external to just social media where they're showing up. Maybe they're talking at conferences. Maybe a company like Adobe or something is like promoting them as like the spokesperson for something. So they're getting that like extra Mm -hmm. exposure to audiences that wouldn't have previously been aware of them or kind of been in that like smaller niche stage. The other thing to like growing, I think, is that you almost want to be, you have to be like either an entertainer creator or a lifestyle creator so that you're either like, there's that entertainment component where like Mr. Beast, people love you and they're Mm -hmm. like tuning in and they're like, they want to keep watching like their favorite show. Or you have such a kind of like inspirational, aspirational lifestyle that people, it, it grows into beyond just like a community. It grows almost into a fandom, similar Mm -hmm. to a celebrity where people are like buying into your lifestyle. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I think it's hard for like a creator educator um, or educator creator to grow up into the millions. Unless, like I said, that first thing that I said, where it's like, they've got that extra exposure outside of social media to help them continue growing. Um, And that, that doesn't mean that everybody needs to grow to a million. Like not everybody needs a million or 2 million followers to have like a sustainable business or a profitable business. Um, But if that is the goal where you're thinking, I want to grow to millions of followers and become, I don't know, I want to be the next person on the e-red carpet at the Oscars, a guy with a movie camera or somebody like that. You know, then that's what you're thinking is like, okay, am I a lifestyle or entertainer creator who's going to, people are going to buy into whatever I'm, my show, my lifestyle. And do I have other things outside of social media that are helping me propel me and make me bigger? 
Mm. That's super interesting that you created this differentiation between the approaches of somebody like an entertainer or a lifestyle creator versus somebody like a creator educator. Because I have noticed that as well, where specifically creator educators will get to the 100,000 mark and it's like they don't know what to do next. So there's begins this influx of brand deals because they're like, oh crap, I don't know where else I can go monetize. And so I'm going to just start bombarding people with brand deals. But that's an interesting thing to consider that maybe there's also a lifestyle component that's necessary there. You've been teaching people from you know a year, two years about all these different things. Maybe it's time to let them see who you are beyond just your knowledge. Yeah. I think you want to let them see who you are. And then you also want to be looking for those, like, write a book. Is there a show where you could show up and be like the, a weekly expert talking about something? Um, is there another creator that has an app that you could join and like teach something on there? Um, it's like thinking about, you've got to break out of like the bubble that you've kind of created, which sometimes, you know, which is really nice and has served you up until that point to your audience and make money like brand sponsorships. But then it's like, okay, you've got to like break through to that next level. Um, and you can't do it alone. I think if, and sorry, I feel like this is a really long winded answer to your initial question of like, my advice is you (laughs) cannot do it alone at a hundred thousand. You need, other companies, other creators, other people to help you. When you get to um, like in the millions, five million, whatever, Emma Chamberlain, if you look at Chamberlain Coffee, so she she grew her audience. She has a very aspirational lifestyle. People want to be her. They want to buy into her lifestyle. She launched a traditional business, but now it's like, how does she make it grow? If you look at Chamberlain Coffee, she has at last count, I think it was four or five partnerships. She's partnered with like a lemonade brand. She's partnered with, um, I don't know, a tea brand. And she's creating all these different products to like help her grow. And that's kind of her path forward. So I think the answer to like everyone, I mean, everybody there's at different stages, you're going to have to do different things to grow. But mostly I think is that you cannot do it alone. You are going to need at different stages of your career, whether it's other creators, whether it's other businesses, whether it's a manager, an agent, you're constantly going to need other people's help to to make you grow. Um, so I think it's like going into it thinking, always thinking like, you know, who who can I partner with? Who can I network with? Um, being good to people, not forgetting where you came from because you're going to need people, you know, just basic like business respect and building relationships um, because you're going to need those people at different stages in your career to propel you forward. Very hard to do it on like, completely solo and get into the millions of followers, like based on your own. That's a super good point in terms of building relationships and considering changing the mindset from how can I solve this problem to who can help me solve this problem. And that may help shift the perspective because creators are used to doing everything by themselves. You're creating content on your own. You're doing all these things on your own and it gets you pretty far, but then you have to shift and understand that there are certain power moves that you have to play in order to acquiring a team or collaborating with other creators that can help propel you forward. It's really interesting you are to your consider. Own startup. And so it's like in startup, you know, at the very beginning, yes, up to 10,000 followers or customers, you are bootstrapping it and doing it on your own. And then you need to start looking for like partnerships, onboarding people, a board of directors, like start thinking 
of yourself as a business and like, what are the areas? And yes, it might be like an actual hire. Like I need to hire an editor, but it might also just be thinking of like, who is my circle of create other creators? I know that we can have like regular meetings and this becomes almost like my board of directors or, you know, like a, a council for me that I'm going to take information and inspiration from, but also give back. Like you're kind of, you're doing the same thing for other creators who are also looking for your input and your help. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to consider as well as having a board of directors or advisors that you can lean on. Speaking of which, if you're going to build relationships, I've assumed you'd have to stay on your best behavior on social media in order to acquire those relationships. So what are some tips that you have that creators can watch out for their reputation and maybe avoid some crisis management situations if they want to expand if they want to expand and i think it it that kind of separates the like side hustle just hobby creator from somebody who's thinking about this as a career um or as a business like i'm going to launch a company i know in the future i want to have an app that does x y and z is thinking about I'm going to have to walk into a real board meeting, not just my count, like my board of directors who are my girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever. It's like, I'm going to have to walk into these like conference rooms, business meetings. And um, how, you know, how are you going to ask for money when there is, you know, I think thinking about what you're putting out online and how that's going to follow you. And if you're just having fun and you're like, I want some brand deals, but I'm going to become something completely different. Like you're going to school, you're studying whatever, um, you know, you're going to become like a microbiologist or whatever it is that you want to do, a, a, you know, physical therapist, like you're going to go do something else. And that's fine. I don't think you have to like think about it that deeply, but I think I my concern is for the people who are going to be going out, are going to be asking for investments for business partners, you know, looking at building a customer base. And if there is this content, um, I think that the business world, and especially after all of the recent events and the economic situation that we're in, the business world is much less tolerant than it was. And so mm-hmm. I think pre-pandemic, you could do anything and Business Insider even had data to back it up that like beauty YouTubers could do whatever they wanted and it could be, they could be a hot mess and there could be all this, you know, drama getting um, and they would actually grow. Like they would get more subscribers, more followers and had no problems with business. I think the pandemic kind of re reprioritized or shifted things. Um, I think the the economy has shifted. Um, you're much less likely to just get investment for investment's sake. Like people aren't just looking to invest in something that's trendy. They're looking for like a sustainable business that is not going to go out of business, that is not going to lose them money. Uh, so I think right. we're in a very different landscape than we were five years ago when you could have gotten investment and when you could have had scandal and it wouldn't have mattered. And you think about the people like, Mr. Beast, you think about Emma Chamberlain, um, the people at the top of their game who are building these traditional businesses, like nobody wants to go into business with somebody that's kind of like a hot mess that like is potentially going to, I'm thinking kind of of the David Dobrik and all of everything that happened around the Dispo app and how he got kicked off. Um, you know, he was, I think, president of Dispo and kind of kicked off that um, after the problems that he had and his entire team had. Um, And so I think, you know, 
people are going to be looking at the type of content you post and considering like, is this somebody I want to go into business with in a much more traditional kind of sense than they would have previously when they look at, oh, you've got a lot of followers, you're really trendy, I'm going to invest in you just because you're hot and your star, you know, you're kind of, your stock is going up. Um, and I right. think now they're considering it much more seriously and thinking like, are you a good investment? Are you a safe investment? Um, and so I think it's thinking about that. And it's, you know, if you think about it, like creator market fit, so you're always considering like, do I love doing this? Is this true and authentic to me? Does my audience love it? Is it resonating with them? And do potential sponsors or business partners, will they endorse, approve, and want to invest in this content or whatever these business moves that I'm making. And so it's kind of having that balance between all three continuously. Um, I don't know if we want to go into this, but I, it's, you know, I think like some of the influencer trips recently where they have been, I mean, plastered, like that's essentially, you can't get around it. It's like, it's not just Partying is one thing, but it's like being hungover, talking about being a hot mess, talking about vomiting. And I'm just like, if you're going to be going into a boardroom and asking for investments, this is not stuff that you want following you around. I don't know if we, right. we want to go there right now, but it's just... We could get into it. I'm I'm open to having that conversation. I watch yeah. people. And I, I think like, this is not good for you in the long term, unless you have an exit strategy and you're just this is fun for now, but you plan to do something completely different. Like this is not great. You're not building a really solid brand. You're just building a reputation. And, um, and so I, yes, I worry about those people. I also worry about the people who like, who don't take it seriously, who don't have anything planned beyond brand sponsorships because brand sponsorships only take you so far and you kind of, you burn out of, that or you you age out of that I would say as well you know they're always people are always looking for like who is the new creator who is like the hot new creator that we want to invest in and you cannot sustain a career on that that's only good for a couple of years so what are you doing five to ten years from now if you're still going to be in the creator space and some people do manage it successfully but if you're just thinking, okay, brand sponsorships for the next 20 or 30 years, that's not really a sustainable career strategy. Brand deals and sponsorships are very interesting as well, because you have that component of like, they're always looking for the next creator. They're always looking for that next person that converts and that it's going to ultimately give them whatever KPI it is that they're looking for. But also I think the audience is a lot more aware now of like, this is a brand deal. I look at comments on a daily basis where people are like, either they'll respond and tell the creator immediately, I don't understand why you're doing this brand deal. Or they say things like, oh, get your bag. They're so aware. And I remember in 2018 or even a little bit later, I don't think there are people had that same kind of response to brand deals or really awareness. They were just like, well, you know, okay, I guess they have to do what they have to do, but nobody outwardly expressed their opinion. It's just very interesting, the responses that we see towards creators now when they're doing brand deals. Yeah, and the majority of people, I'll say from my students' perspective and the people that I've been teaching, um, most of them, you know, brand deals don't bother them. Like we've, I've looked at stuff. I think that's also like an indication of shifting opinion where things that 
I think are like blatant endorsements that aren't really clearly spelled out. Um, And we've done exercises in class where we'll look at somebody's feed and we'll look at like, do we think this is sponsored content or not? And like, should this be better labeled? And for the most part, the students have not been bothered at all. Like you said, get their bag. Like most of Gen Z is just like, good for you. You need to make a living. You're endorsing something, whether or not you disclose it. I don't really care. I'm okay with that because I support you. Um, I'm fine with you doing this, whether or not it's labeled as a sponsorship. And like, that's been really interesting because I'm kind of horrified by that. Um, But it doesn't (laughs) bother them at all. Uh, I do think it's been a shift, you know, which is, is great. But like you said, like you cannot do brand sponsorships forever. No, it's just not sustainable. It's not creative. It kind of also shows that somebody like is either scared to think of other ways or they can't, you know, they don't have that business mindset to consider other revenue streams. I even remember hearing from creators who have millions of followers that they're still doing brand deals and that's their primary source of income. And I'm like, so one month it's $200 and another month it's $300. I like how, how does that kind of instability work. And there, especially with so much, when you have such a strong intellectual property or so much equity that you could bring to another brand's table and create a very shared moment of a collaboration, whether it's something like the McDonald's famous orders type of thing, or if it's investing into a brand that you've been using for a long time, I think there needs to be a consideration of other creative ways to consider working with brands besides just selling real estate on your page. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. I think also just thinking about like what else, how else could you be earning money? Um, right. Actually, one of the things that I've been recommending recently to creators is thinking about, for example, beca- doing more kind of like uh, customer insights and product R&D for brands, like not mm-hmm. just selling space on your page, but also working with brands more in a business capacity of, you know, whether it's like helping them with a new product launch, but like being in there from the inception of like, what are they thinking about the product? Um, giving them insights about audiences and how to market to certain audiences or how to show up on TikTok. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know JT Barnett, who's a TikToker. I think he's he's kind of like cleverly positioned himself as a TikTok expert who is now not just selling space on his TikTok, but also advising companies on how to get on TikTok. So I think that was like, right. it was very smart. Like I've been impressed just watching of how he very quickly pivoted from influencer to advisor. Um, and I think right. that was a smart thing to do for him because there's a limited shelf life to how long you can be just an influencer um, and so thinking beyond that, okay, what else can I do? How else can I scale this? How else can I keep growing, making more sustainable money? And that's right. a smart way, I think, to move forward. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting thing for like social media, cre- like gurus or people that are interested in advising on the social media space. I think even creators that have been consistently doing reviews of products like Remy Bader going and creating a collection with was it Revolve? He's I done, think I she think, did. Yeah, and- Revolve and I think with Pink, like Victoria's Secret. Yes. 
Yes, and advising on sizing and what it is that people are looking for when it comes to body inclusivity, kind of reviving also brands that are notoriously known for being anti-inclusive. So it's very interesting that that approach came about. I think Michaela has also done a couple like collaborations with some of her favorite brands in terms of advising on formula and things like that. So it's a very, I agree, it's a very lucrative approach to also solidifying credibility in a space beyond just being an influencer, but also being an expert. Yep. And then getting that exposure um, to go back to the Barnett model, because I'm, I'm incorporating this into an upcoming class that I'm going to be teaching, but it's like, he's working with Notion. So Notion sponsored an event where he was the host Notion runs ads using his content and then he sells templates on Notion. And I'm as an example of a brand partnership that's really elevating both the brand and the creator in a way that's that's a lot uh, deeper and kind of like more integrated than just this person is promoting our product. It's like they're really embedded together. Um, and so I just thought, you know, that's a great example. You mentioned Remy Bayer, also a great example with Revolve, where they didn't just bring her on to wear their clothing and endorse their clothing. They had her help them with creating more inclusive sizing. They had her create like co-branded products. It's like, how are you thinking about if you're, if we're, you know, any marketers that are listening, um, it's like, how are you thinking about working with creators or influencers in a much deeper and significant impactful kind of way than just this person is endorsing us? And if you're a creator, it's the same thing. You're looking for those opportunities. If you have a good relationship with a company, it's like, okay, I've done 10 posts endorsing your product. I have some ideas I want to share around how you're marketing your product, how you could improve your product, how we could have a summit or a conference or an event, some sort of event for the audience, for example, to kind of educate people around certain topics. Um, so I think right. it's like both sides could be thinking of that and just thinking like, how can we, how can we grow this and how can we grow this together in a, in a much more um, uh, impactful kind of way? Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about getting the right people on your team or building relationships. I think if I'm not mistaken, JT actually has somebody who helps him with brand partnerships in-house working for him. I think that's also something interesting for creators to consider in terms of hiring either a brand partnerships assistant, somebody who can help use their marketing background and insights to negotiate something like this notion, really integrated campaign that they've created between each other, or, you know, helping guide your manager, having a manager that's really strong in things beyond just brand partnerships and, and deals that go on your page or UGC that goes on their page, but really thinking about those out of the box ways of, of creating visibility, like you mentioned before. Yeah. I think that's almost like, that's a business development person. And I, that is something I've seen a lot of chatter about that online where people are saying, I hired a manager and they're not getting me deals. They're helping me with deals and they're organizing stuff, but they're not getting deals. So I think that is important to have, if you're bringing somebody on, if you're signing with somebody, have a really good understanding of what this person's going to do for you. And like, are they a business development person that is, like you said, going to think outside the box, get deals for you, proactively think about ways you could work with companies? Are they a manager and they're just, they're managing your business and they're making sure things are happening. They're negotiating for you, but they're not necessarily finding you deals 
or are you hiring a coordinator who's just checking your emails, making sure content gets up, making sure you have all the information, hashtags and handles if you're posting stuff. So I think it's all of those things are helpful at different stages. Um, I think it just depends. Like You have to go in with your eyes open and be really aware of how does this person plan to help me? And at different stages in your career, it could you you might need different things. Um, so it's just being really cognizant of like, okay, this is the value that this person brings to me. Yeah, that's definitely something really important to think about, especially like you mentioned, thinking of yourself as a startup who's like figuring out how to build different relationships and to scale and who do I need and think having that in the back of your mind always and think of yourself like that when it comes to being a creator and influencer is it's going to help you know find the right people that can fit some of these tasks that you need to delegate or get done my last question for you would be more so an open ended question in terms of where do you see influencer marketing going into maybe this year and even in the future how are creators going to be taking up more space? What is something that marketers need to know when it comes to influencer marketing? I know that's like open-ended, but I thought maybe anything that comes to your mind. Um, okay. I think, I think UGC creators is going to be an interesting thing that we're going to have to watch. Um, mm-hmm. UGC creators are creating content for businesses, which I think they love. It kind of devalues creatorship or, you know, influencership. Um, because if companies can essentially just hire people to create content that looks like it was created by customers for a low price, you know, does that replace some of, I would say, influencer, you know, the, the value of an influencer, for example. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's probably going to be a fair amount of competition at the probably like nano to micro level with like somebody that's a UGC creator that's just creating content um, that you know, doesn't actually need an influencer behind it. So I think that'll be interesting to watch just to see where that goes. Um, I think for anybody that's a larger influencer, I think, you know, as we've discussed over the past hour, it's just this idea of influencers, influencing doesn't last forever. Like influencing is what you are doing right now just to to earn money, um, but really thinking about it like a business. And so I think we're going to see more of that. I think the model that we're seeing of the top influencers or creators right now um, who are opening traditional, like they're launching products, they're launching physical products, um, they're launching services, they're launching traditional businesses. And so I think we're going to see more. Investing also. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like I think you know, all of the Kardashians are investing. Um, I think it's the uh, the Demilios are investing, along with also launching their own like a shoe line and a, a, a skincare line. Um, so I think it's like thinking about yes, we're going to see this blending of influencer and entrepreneur that are going to become kind of almost one and the same. And so I think it's the same thing for anybody that's starting out in this is thinking about again that north star of like what do I eventually plan to do with this? And it's okay if you want to do this as a side hustle, as a hobby, just for fun. And that's fine. Um, as long as you have like, okay, what else, you know, how do you have another way of making a living essentially? Um, but if you are thinking, okay, this is something I love doing and I'm very passionate around a certain topic. Well, then how are you building that and growing that as a business? Like, what are you aiming towards? What are you trying to ultimately do? 
and constantly thinking again, that balance of like, what am I trying to do? How does this relate to my brand, my business? What does my audience love? How am I growing my audience? And then how am I growing my revenue model, which is like, whether it's sponsors, whether it's investors, whether it's I'm launching, I'm teaching a class, I'm launching an app, I'm launching a physical product and thinking about that, like at at all times, kind of keeping those three things in, you know, balanced. Um, I think that that's probably what we're going to see over the next couple of years. Um, And I think, you know, again, like I keep going back to Mr. Beast and Emma Chamberlain, but there's such great examples of people at the top of their game launching traditional businesses that I think they're going to be role models for a lot of creators for a long time to come. 100%. Also in the way that they so clearly use their content to build towards these big goals or big milestones that they're hoping to achieve as opposed to just like throwing spaghetti at the wall, seeing what sticks, maybe an occasional get ready with me here and there. It's all very strategic, even if their audience maybe isn't putting the pieces together immediately, but figuring out creative ways to plug their products that are existing or building towards another kind of goal that you have. Like you mentioned before, I think if you have the the dream of hosting a red carpet, it's a lot easier to then take that dream and work backwards and figure out how to then I incorporate that into my existing content. Do I start interviewing people on the street? Like how do I establish myself as the host that I want to be in the future? And how would that person create content now? Yeah, we had a really good, um, I had uh, uh, the founder of Clara for Creators, Kristen Nino de Guzman. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a guest speaker in one of my classes, and she said, "Like, create content is there to create opportunities for you. So, if you want to be a red carpet host, if you want to be a broadcast news anchor, whatever, start incorporating that into the content you're creating today. Like, we have never been at a time where people could essentially just like." become whatever they want to become through content. And that was, you know, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, the shift from celebrity to creators, you know, celebrity used to be predetermined, like the studio would pick you, a casting director would pick you. Like there was a very specific hierarchy to how you managed to get in the spotlight. And now you can create your own spotlight. You can create your own content that creates those opportunities for you. So start posting news, start posting, um, you know, whether it's duets or reaction videos to red carpet looks like create, use the content to create opportunities for yourself um, as you're building, as you're building your business, as you're building your influence. And I think that was some of the, like the best advice that I had heard uh, to, to aspiring creators is like the content is your opportunity to create the career of your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a powerful statement. You mentioned earlier that you have a course. Tell us a little bit more about that. How can people find out more information or align with with what? Yeah, so I'm yeah. I'm still teaching at UCLA. Um the stuff that I teach at UCLA, I teach like on both sides, both for influencers and for marketers. And then I decided to put together a course for marketers um that I'm going to be launching or might be launching any day um, or launching very soon. And it's essentially to help people. There are so few resources out there. There are a lot of resources for influencers. And I teach a class on personal branding and becoming an influencer at UCLA. And there's so much content on social media, how to become a creator. 
there's not a lot of content out there for marketers. Influencer marketing is still, it's still in its infancy. It doesn't really get taught at school. Most people are in marketing and then kind of segue into influencer marketing, but there's so, there are so few resources out there. And I think there's so much more to it than we're going to throw a bunch of money at this person. They're going to endorse our product and we're going to get millions of dollars of sales. Like it's so much more strategic and so much more thought goes into who's the right person to hire. How are we going to get them on board? Creators get a lot of offers every month and they don't accept every single one of them. And money's not the only deciding factor. I think a lot of people roll their eyes and they're like, okay, if you throw enough money at somebody, they're going to do it. Um, And like the number one reason that creators accept something is because they feel like it's a good alignment with them and with their audience. It's not actually budget. Yeah. They want to be fairly compensated. They want to be paid. Um, but that isn't like just throwing a bunch of money at the problem is not really the solution. So I just decided, okay, I'm going to create this class that essentially, or this course that essentially helps whether it's like students who are still trying to figure this out, marketers who have a feeling that they should be working with influencers, but don't really know how to go about it. Um, or anybody, solopreneurs, like publicists, um, anybody who needs to work with creators, but is just doesn't understand beyond, hey, we're, we want to hire an influencer. We want to hire Kim Kardashian or, you know, whoever, it, Alex Earl or whoever it is to promote our business. <laughs> like, okay, what actually goes into that and what kind of impact can we have? Yeah, that is an interesting resource then to have in your back pocket. So if you're listening and this is something that you're interested in finding more information about, Leah is your point person. And in the meantime, in case you missed it, is an amazing newsletter, big fan favorite of mine. I think I've plugged it on this podcast so many times, but it's a great resource for influencers, creators, marketers alike to learn more about what's going on in the industry and things that you may have overlooked. But thank you so much, Leah, for coming on the show and and lending your insight and time to to share more in-depth information that can be helpful that it's not so easily Googleable. Um, I appreciate it so much. And uh, I would say, likewise, uh, make sure you're following Kate on social media because there's just so much good stuff there that you're sharing. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at Kate Mob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.